fighting coverage of smart talks and he does it daily. He's your five minutes AV sales manager. Hello, everybody. It's Mark Coxon, your favorite, hopefully your favorite, hopefully your favorite rave contributor. Um, I'm bringing you a special podcast today. I have the opportunity to be sitting here with Jay Myers. And Jay Myers is uh, a man who comes from our AV community, who I thought had some life experience and some work experience that would be really valuable for a lot of people in our industry. Um, and I don't want to spoil the interview too much, so I don't, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to monologue about Jay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring him on and ask him uh, to tell a little bit about himself. So, how are you this morning, Jay? Great, Mark. I appreciate you having me on the show. No, yeah. I, you know, I was really happy that you reached out. Um, I love talking to people with different life experiences, um, especially ones that you know we can relate to here in in AV and. I thought your your story and your journey through this industry was very very interesting, and something that um, something that a lot of people could get some value out of. So, uh, just as a as a primer, you know, you you ran an integration company. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got into audio video, and uh, about the company that you built. Yeah, sure. So I actually started actually in the technology video conferencing back. Early adopter, Mark, in the early 90s, in fact, uh, the fall of 1990, and was working for a telecom company that wanted to diversify, uh, frankly. Wow. And I just loved the technology. I just thought it made so much sense. I'd worked in corporate life for a long time and got really tired of these flying to places for one day and having a meeting and, you know, spending all this money on hotels and everything. So I just thought video conferencing made a lot of sense. And so from 1990 to 1995, I was able to build up a business with a great team that we put together to uh, $5 million in revenue, selling mostly to higher ed and uh, colleges and universities, distance learning. Yeah. And unfortunately or fortunately, as the case may be, I got fired from that company on my 39th birthday. Wow. So there's no heroic entrepreneurial story here, except that I was forced into creating a job for myself to feed my wife and two children and a hungry dog. And so I uh, started Interactive Solutions, otherwise known as ISI, for a long time in March 11th of 1996. And early on, as I mentioned to you earlier, we were selling mostly video conferencing because that's what I knew. And then as time went on with our customers, and, you know, we're building very slow, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in sales the first year and a million the next and so on and so forth. The customer base and the interest was like, okay, it's neat that you sell video conferencing, but... How about the audiovisual components and integration that's required for some of our rooms? Yeah. So we started building out an organization that could accommodate that. And I will reflect on that today, Mark, to tell you and everybody in the rave audience that had I not done that, I probably wouldn't be in business for as long as I was, number one. Number two, greatly limit the revenue potential. AV made my company. I mean, it really did. Yeah, the, the question I guess I have around this, it's, it's very interesting. I, I like your story because I think a lot of entrepreneurs in AV come, they start their companies from a very similar place. Um, they've either lost their job or they're, they're um, you know, disenchanted with their boss or their current company. They have good client relationships and they're smart people. And so they decide to start a company. And, and many times, you know, when people start a company, 
to give themselves a job, as, as you stated, um, it's really hard for them to grow that company past a point that could really sustain, you know, many employees and scale itself out because they really started the job as a personal endeavor for personal income and, and not really with, you know, the mindset or maybe even the skill set or background to grow a company. How did you overcome those challenges of going from an employee who started a company to give yourself something to do without uh, the, uh, I guess, the the danger of being fired or let go again, but also, you know, turn the corner on that mindset of, of scaling this business into the size and, and of business that you ended up with. Well, Mark, you got to appreciate that, you know, 39 years old, that's an old entrepreneur, you know, to start a business. I mean, you should be kind of settling into your career at that point. But I look back on it, honestly, and I think that beyond getting fired and humiliated, frankly, I also realized, I think it was, Honestly, God's way of telling me, you're going to have to do something else. You, 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 the same old thing's not going to work, okay? And when I started ISI, I never dreamed that we'd get to like 25 million in sales like we did and all these other wonderful things. Again, just wanted to put food on the table. But also, Mark, I think more importantly, I had something to prove. And I mean that very sincerely, for, not for uh, to myself, to the people in the business community around here, to people that fired me, to everybody. I had something to prove. And, and so through the years, again, and I think for all the, your listeners out there, when you're trying to build a business, you know, you don't sit there and project out that you're going to be 20 million in sales by this amount of time. Oh, you can. That's wonderful. Mark, we just did it one day at a time, man. I mean, we just went out there and, and I had an attitude. I'd get in there in the office in the morning and I work late at night and I just would bust it and try to sell something every day. And I figured out that uh, and my operating philosophy, even when we hit the bigger numbers was if I could sell something every day and collect money, we're going to stay in business. And so for the first five years, all I wanted to do, Mark, was to stay in business. Mm -hmm. And then when we said, Mark, we had a little celebration, you know, inevitably you go like, well, God, what can we do next? <laughs> I mean, can yeah. we do even more? We made the Inc. 500 list in 2001. I remember being so thrilled, you know, fastest growing private companies in the United States. We were a little less than a $5 million business. We made some money, but a little bit, but I just kept thinking in the back of my mind, well, what's next? What's the next level? Yeah. And I think that's just the, the drive of proving myself and then assembling. And all credit, I got to say this terrific support team, engineering. And technicians and people that work for me that we hired, we got very lucky. I hired the best, the best. I mean, I will tell you to this day, I've got a half a dozen employees over at Zoom right now. They don't hire Humpty Dumpties. They hire the best of the best. And my guys are over there doing a great job. And I think that because of that, the team, the drive, trying to seek the next level, we had a lot of fun. I mean, we had a nice Nice run. And, you know, the business, uh, when I sold it, it was that year, almost 23. Mm -hmm. That's crazy technology to have a business that, that uh, many years in existence. But it was every year we kept trying to one up the, the previous year. And it just and we did, had no magic formula. We just hired good people and worked hard. That's I, I love that. And I love I love what you said about just breaking down the myopic focus of, you know, hey, if I'm if I'm getting a PO, a new sale every day and I'm collecting money today, then I've got a revenue stream. I, I've, got a right. PO, I've got a PO to collect money tomorrow, and I've got money coming in today. 
And if those two things are happening, I'm okay today and I'll be okay tomorrow. <laughs> um, sometimes it really Mark, just I will takes tell you, simple, you know? Yeah, it, it, it really does. And also you've got to, you got to enjoy your wins, a, a little uh, large in between, what have you. So a quick story that I don't think I've ever told on a podcast or any other interview before, but I, I'll say it now is I was so thrilled with the first order that we got, you know, you got to celebrate, you know, those wins. I literally had the order, which I think was a purchase wreck. It wasn't even a, technically a purchase order. But it, yeah. anyway, I had it bronzed and put <laughs> in my conference room. It stayed in that conference room for 20-plus years. And wow. I would walk people by. I would give them tours of the building. they go, what's that? And i tell them the story. And I said, here's what I want you to know. Never forget where you came from. And I think that also drove us. We never forgot where we came from. Very humble beginnings, very difficult. Heck, we had an office uh, about a year or two or three that was in a beauty shop. Yeah. <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine selling technology out of a beauty shop? But it, it, but we, we just – we had a great group of people that just endured, worked hard. Uh, I can't say that enough. The, the best work I've ever seen. Wow. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned the Inc. 500, and I noticed, you know, on your LinkedIn, you know, reading a little bit about your company, it looks like you made that list seven times – in 11 years or, or something like that. So sounds like that continual push, just keep the bar moving, right? Like never be complacent. That, that seemed to work out for you. Yeah, that's right. And I think the other part of that, yeah, yeah, Mark. I mean, I, I think that was part of it. You know, the other thing was, is that, you know, it was when you're in a small business and whether you're an integration or whatever, you got to have goals for your people. Yeah. And even though some of those years we made the list, honestly, we were just surviving. I mean, during the, the recession and everything, but we celebrated the wins every time we made the list. And most of the time we would go to the conference that they had, that they, you know, uh, give out the awards and everything. And those conferences, Mark, were so valuable uh, in the sense of sharing ideas with people that other small business owners and entrepreneurs. Yeah. And it didn't matter. And in fact, it, it actually was more enlightening because they weren't in the AV integration business. They were in all these other different businesses, but we all shared the same thing. Everybody trying to find good employees, make payroll, cash flow problem, all that kind of stuff. And so it, Inc. was really, really a, a terrific organization to be aligned with and got a lot of value out of it. Yeah, that that uh, kind of cross-pollination of different industries. I mean, I think sometimes we, we look too myopically for other companies that do exactly what we do to find what their lessons are. But like you said, a lot of small business problems are small business problems. Um, whether they are, you know, whether you're running an AV firm or whether you're running a small restaurant, like the, the problems, a lot of the problems at their core are the same. And honestly, I think we get some of our best ideas when we look outside, right? Because the way it's always been done might not be the best way to do it. <laughs> in many cases. So sometimes right. you've got to, you got to look around like what are, you know, other people have these problems. How are they solving them? Because we seem to consistently run into the same problems in our industry time after time after time. Other industries don't seem to have the same hiccup with it. Like how are they solving it? Right. Like being able to look out there. It's funny you mentioned that because I just came out of two days of um, NSCA, the National Systems Contractors Association. They do a business and leadership conference. Oh yeah. Very um, familiar with it. Yep. So they did it the last two days and I've just sat through that, you know, as a, as a leader, not an owner, but as a, as a business leader in my business, um, I went through two days of that and it's amazing how much you can pick up, you know, as you go through that whole piece. And one thing you mentioned, the celebrating the small successes, 
I know they had an agility expert talking in there. And when they're, when they said, when you're building um, agile teams, you know, you have to have this resilience and flexibility, which it sounds like your team had, right? If you went through recessions and you, you continually grow, you have to have resilience and flexibility. You have to watch where the market's going. But one of the, said, the things that said that keeps that attitude going is celebrating small wins. Because sometimes there aren't big wins to celebrate and things are hard and rough. And if you just keep beating people like we're not where we want to go and you're not celebrating those small successes, like the just the momentum and the morale uh, can't be sustained. So I love that idea of celebrating those those small successes. Now, you've alluded a couple yeah, it, times. It, it, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it got us through the, the worst of times. I mean, beyond the recession years ago go. One of the ways I really value Inc. Magazine was that they helped me discover an embezzlement in my business after I read an article in the magazine. And, you know, keeping employees, all of them, after you almost went out of business, that's that's the trick. But they were just great people and they believed in what we're doing. And I guess, you know, it believed in me and the whole, you know, and overcoming the adversity. But yeah, you know, that was once we got through that, Mark, I have to say that was more of celebrating, you know, it was a big win to get through it. But I, I do think it's so important for small business owners. You know, AV integration is a tough business. And when you get a win, you, you got to enjoy it because there's there's heartache like any kind of industry. But and it's hard to make a buck for sure once you, you do that. And, you know, you have to, as a group, enjoy the moment. Yeah, I love that. Well, you've alluded you've alluded to it a couple times, and and um, obviously part of part of your journey is you've you've written a book, and your book is Rounding Third and Heading for Home, um, the emotional journey of selling my business and the lessons learned along the way. Um, so you've written this book. Obviously, you sold your business. It looks like back in um, 2018, so about three years ago now. Um, you tell us a little bit about how that came about. Um, and then the genesis for the book, like how did, who, how did you get approached to sell your business or how did you position your business for sale? And, and then, um, you know, what, what made you think about writing it all down for us here in the AV industry? Well, first off to digress, this one's my third book. I'm a baseball nut. So I keep with these baseball analogies, <laughs> keep swinging was the first book and hitting the curveballs was the second one. So they were both honestly dealing with adversity that we were overcoming as a, as a company and employees and things and had a lot of fun with that and got some ridiculous amount of publicity over those books. And it just was very gratifying to, to be able to help people honestly and give them some kind of inspiration or, you know, for getting through problems. In the case of the business sale and everything, Mark, I can't say this enough. I was not in the market to sell my business. Through the years, very honestly, I did get calls from various people. If you make that Inc. 500 list, for all your listeners out there, you are on a target list of people, the investors and M&A guys will call you because you, if you're done well and you're on the list, you know, that's just a natural uh, calling list and target to, to for potential sale and everything. But I got a lot of calls, was flattered to get them, but I, I had to stay disciplined with moving us forward and couldn't get caught up, quote, in the game. But what I did was once those calls came in, I started to recognize the fact that I didn't know a lot about how you sell, even if I ever wanted to. I didn't know the terminology or the science behind it or anything else. And I started attending these seminars. And funny thing about it was after going to several of them, 
you would have thought that I had accumulated all this knowledge, which I did some, but it also it reminded me how little I knew and still how far I had to go. And, you know, I didn't have it in the back of my mind to sell. I wasn't standing on a street corner. ISI is for sale. I had a big placard around my neck. 2018 was, uh, we had come off a really good year, very profitable year in 2017. We were very fortunate. We did 20 million-ish, but really nice profitability. And that maybe that was the backdrop uh, for we the, the call. I'll call it that. You know, gotten all these calls through the years, but, you know, it's not often when the, somebody's representing the largest company in your industry calls you. Yeah. And says they're interested in meeting you and going to Infocom and talking about selling the business. Well, Mark, I can't emphasize enough. I wasn't in the market. So yeah. when I got the call and was flattered to get the call, I turned around to the person. Let's leave their name out of it to protect the innocent. And I said, um, that's great. Flattered for the call. But I said, I'm not going to Infocom. Uh, I, I've got some other things going on. I can't make it, but my son's going and he's very smart, MBA and all this kind of stuff. And I said, if you got anything to say about that, let him know. I'll let him vet it. And if there's anything to it, you know, we'll, we'll see. So that was in early June, as you would uh, imagine, in 2018. And I honestly, I went down to Florida. I had some other stuff going on. I got another, a home down there and everything. And I said, told my son, call me when you get through the conference. And he calls me and I really thought he was going to say, nah, this is a big company and, and, and you know, just kind of negative. Well, he couldn't have been more enthusiastic. And he went on and on about the company culture, the fit, the way, the go-to-market strategy, things like that, that I'm going, I said to myself, whoa, wait a minute. Um, I might need to pay attention to this. And this isn't just somebody waving a bunch of money in front of us. This is somebody that, that, that's got a deeper uh, interest in us than, than these other kind of calls. And so we started a series of, of connections on uh, video conferences and everything with the folks in Tampa. And, you know, it just, it, we went through the, uh, the process. And for your listeners out there, I'll tell you this. You, be, you have to be prepared for not only, it, it's arduous, it's the most stressful uh, several months that I've ever gone through in my career, including the embezzlement and everything else, a recession, because your mind does all kinds of tricks on you in terms of the questions being asked, how to get the answers to them. In my case, once we started the process, you know, they required a lot, a lot of information. And can you imagine Mark running around your business asking your CFO uh, for all these financial statements and sensitive tax uh, documents and whatever else? So I dispatched my son to go get that information. And they, I just told everybody, I said, look, he's annoying. He's an MBA. You know, he's going to eventually uh, take over the business, which was the plan, by the way. And we had set up a, you know, kind of a handoff and everything for him to buy out some equity. So when the, the call came in, it was not only unexpected, we also had to kind of look at, okay, what do we do about it? And so he ended up being the, the point man and putting things in what they call the data room, which was all this sensitive information. And he was invaluable because had I done it, it could have blown up in my face easily. Red yeah. flags, you know, what, what, you know, this whole thing was terrible. Um, I will tell you that it was just an incredible experience to go through. And for your listeners, if you want to know about like preparation for something like this, and you mentioned something about that. Well, one thing I will recommend to anybody out there listening is that you, you got to have your financial act together. 
What do I mean by that? You can't have compiled financial statements. You have to have audited ones. That's just numero uno. You need to have that. You also need to have, honestly tied to that, a really good accountant that has M&A experience. You don't want to go through this on your own. This is not a do-it-yourself deal, not at all. It's a totally, it's very technical. It's very detailed. You do not want that. You also, so the other thing you want to avoid, so on a negative side, you don't want to have any lawsuits. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of like, okay, I knew that, but you know, the, the honest uh, truth about it is, is that they look at stuff like that. So that ties into the other part of the team you need to have with you is an M&A lawyer. And we, we were fortunate, our accountant and our uh, uh, attorney both had M&A experience, significant M&A experience. So they knew what was coming. Man, you got to do that. that. Selling a business is not child's play. And honestly, any buyer out there, if they recognize that somebody doesn't have those resources, all kinds of things can happen. But anyway, that we went through the process, and when they, you know, made the offer and everything, and we thought it was reasonably countered and all those kind of good things, the part of the process, Mark, that I will tell anybody out there listening that is the hardest thing on top of the hardest thing to do is to go through what they call the due diligence. And they absolutely turn you upside down, flip you around, spin you around, do it two or three times more. You, you, you absolutely, I thought at one point I was losing my mind. I mean, I really did. And then, so that's a professional thing. Now, let me digress and tell you, while that was going on, because yeah. my life always seems to end up being in a hurricane all the time, we're also planning a wedding for my one and only daughter, and it's a remote <laughs> wedding in Savannah, Georgia. Wow. So, man, I wouldn't recommend for anybody listening to this to ever do what we did, but it was a timing thing. You know, the process that can take, you know, I've heard people say 18 to 24 months. In our case, took less than about five. Wow. And it was just, uh, it was crazy. And not to blow the whole story, but I walked my daughter down the aisle and gave away my baby girl on October 27th. And then four days later, I gave away my other baby, my business. Well, didn't give it away, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was a very uh, emotional week, but, you know, we got through it. That is, that is crazy. I can't imagine stacking that on top of, uh, on top of a wedding, right? Like just it, the, uh, not only just logistically, um, there has to be a huge emotional component to this too, right? Like you, you did refer to your business as your baby and you, you did sell it, but it sounds like, you know, when your son came back, it wasn't about the facts and figures about, should we have this conversation? It was about the culture and the go-to-market. So it really That's sounded right. like you wanted to sell your business to someone, number one, that would um, continue to take care of your clients and continue the legacy you built in the markets that you'd built your business. And also sounds like you wanted to be um, a good shepherd of your employees in this team that you knew helped you get so far for all those years that they were going to be taken care of and be in a place where you knew they could work and thrive as well. Is that a big part of, of your decision that you made? Oh, absolutely. And I will tell you uh, sort of an obvious thing, the CEO of ABI, let's, everybody knows his name, so let's not get into all that. But uh, we had dinner one night and had my wife and I and my son and his wife and everything. And I was driving him back to the hotel and he knew I was still tormented about the whole thing. Yeah. And God bless him. I said something that I'll never forget. I put it in the book. He, he said, 
that he understood how emotional it was for a founder to go through what I go was going through. And he said he had worked alongside the founder of ABI and, um, you know, that he, he was right there front and center to all, all the, uh, the emotions and the angst and everything that was occurring. But he said, here, here was a quote, Mark. He said, it's not lost to me that you've entrusted me with your legacy. Wow. And I had I just at that point, I had goosebumps and I'm like, I pull up the light and everything. And I kind of took a deep breath and I kind of had to gather myself. And I, I thought, okay, he gets it. He gets it. Mark, here's the thing that if nobody remembers anything about this interview, other than what I'm getting ready to say, selling a business, whether it's AV integration or something else, is way more than a financial transaction. It's a life-changing moment. I'm still going through it almost three years later. Yeah. And I've had to kind of fill up my calendar with a lot of different things and all. But people need to understand this whole notion of you get a check, you head down to Florida, you kick up in the sand and all that stuff. That sounds wonderful. The, the reality is, that, yeah, you get a check and do really well and take care of your family, your grandkids, their kids, all this kind of stuff. But it is for the entrepreneur and the small business owner. It is a life-changing event, and you need to understand that thoroughly because the money is not the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I love, you know, when you said you got goosebumps. I, I, it wasn't my business. I actually got a little bit of goosebumps when you said it's not lost on me that you're entrusting me with your legacy. That That is such a, um, it's a great emotional thing um, and a great, I guess, uh, I guess a great thing to pass on to someone else in that case. I see, we see a lot of merger and acquisition in this industry and it, it's kind of the joke every year, right? That before Infocom, we're going to see like seven or eight of these happen every single year. And I think it slowed down a little last year with the pandemic because nobody knew exactly what's going on and they were, you know, maybe, maybe money wasn't as free to, to just tie up in, in, you know, taking share at that point in time. But, you know, when you see the big people expand, I think you see the, you see the monolith getting bigger, but you don't really think so much about companies like yours, that those are the companies that, you know, are transitioning out of the industry, right? And, and uh, they're still there, but I, I love that idea. Um, and I love the recognition that some of these big companies do understand that local markets are different and that the personality and the way of doing business and all of those things, that that's a valuable part of the acquisition and that you can't just strip right. all that away and corporatize it and still have the success that somebody like you had in the market who really, you know, knew the people and the businesses that were in your local area, right? That whole piece. Can you, can you name your three books again? Because I, I know we went through those earlier, but the reason I want you to name all three of them, Jay, is because, because this, because, you know, over the last half hour, and I've never met you before. I mean, we spoke five minutes before this podcast. We don't know each other from Adam. You're, right. you're very, you're very well-spoken <laughs> and easy to talk to, um, which to me says that your books are probably fairly easy to read and have a lot of value for people. Um, there may be people out there that aren't in a position where they're selling their business or may not even be the owners, but you mentioned two, you mentioned two other books that seem like they might also have some great business insights for people now, especially um, hitting the curveballs. I think was one of them. Um, 
in a time where things are in flux, when we have all of this kind of uncertainty and where things are going and we're having to shift gears and find these new opportunities, it sounds like there may be some great nuggets of advice in those two books for people too. So can we take a minute to just focus on what are, what are the three books that you, you wrote? Yeah, the first book was called Keep Swinging, and you mentioned NSCA, uh, Mark. I spoke at NSCA, I guess back in 2012. Chuck Wilson had me out there to talk about some of the, the topics in the book, specifically this embezzlement that we had to go through that uh, and overcome. Yep. $257,000, that was crazy. And I think Chuck recognized that it was something that people, although it's, it's not a topic you want to put in a business conference, it's kind of creepy but on the other hand we got through it and you know we were able to recover and rebound and do really well so uh, our comeback after that is still one of the most impressive things i've ever seen in the business not me my employees yeah so um keep swinging an entrepreneur story of overcoming adversity and achieving small business success is the name of the book and then the second book is called hitting the curveballs crisis can strengthen and grow your business that book was about getting through the, the Great Recession, and the other part of that, not just getting through it, but growing times two and a half, and doing it, and I think this is what a lot of people uh, picked up on, because I've spoken to a, a number of business conferences and everything in the AV industry, uh, that uh, the notion of doing it with people that ha didn't even have any AV training, millennials, who were looking for an opportunity to be able to grow their careers. And so that the millennials back in 2007 in four years took me from 11 to $25 million. And you're talking about amid the worst economy in 80 years. So we thought that, you know, crisis can strengthen and grow your business. That was the notion behind hitting the curveballs. And both books, I don't know, I think between them, I saw a report the other day, my publisher sent, you know, Mark, I'm not John Grisham. Okay, let's not get too impressed. But I think we had something like sold about 16,000 books. And if we got a handful of people that got value out of them, we did our job. And, you know, I, I like doing that. I like talking. My, my books are not textbooks. They're like me speaking in a book. I mean, there's not, I don't speak in the third person. I speak in the first person. I want my readers to feel the emotions that I'm feeling or was feeling at the time of these things. And I think when you, I also, as you may know, I write for System Contractor News in a Viewpoint article. I've written probably six or eight articles for them really enjoy that and Megan and everybody over there and I don't talk about technology much I talk about business issues as it relates to AV integration and, and going forward yeah but that goes two books for the platform to kind of go and why did I write this book I just felt compelled to frankly I, I had had so many articles through system contractor that had good feedback my first notion was to compile those and just kind of put something out. And then as I, I kind of got going, I thought, well, I got to wrap around the biggest thing that happened was this acquisition. Well, what am I, what's my message? And so I think that, you know, the book starts out with my daughter's wedding and then dials back all the years and then the close with the, the actual sale. But, you know, the, the, certainly uh, the, the emotional side of it. I mean, the last chapter it literally is don't is titled don't cry because it's over smile because it happened yeah that's that's the way i felt yeah i have a lump in my throat even saying that my editor that read the book four different times to make sure we had everything cleaned up and all said i've read this book four, four times and every time i get to that chapter i get teary-eyed 
and I, and I think that because that emotion, the, to be able to have readers feel that in the book, is one one part of it. The other part of it is, and I think people that do or don't want to sell their business doesn't really matter. I still want them to read my book because what we put in there were some things that our journey, 20 plus years, things that we learned about building value in ISI, my business, that proved to be, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. We, we didn't know it at the time, but but things like, Mark, we all went through this in AV integration, having to reinvent your business and do some different things to grow revenue or get through a rough time. Yeah. You know, things. there's another chapter about customer service can make or break your business. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's just common sense, but some people just don't get that. There's another chapter that I'm really excited about that it's a business and a life lesson, but yep. don't burn bridges. And again, you and I are nodding. It's common sense to us, but for other people, it's like, Dude. and and there's a practical side of it. So what does that mean? You know, you all get touchy feeling in your book or what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about, practical side for AV integration owner, okay? By not building the bridge, let's say it's a customer that canceled an order on your, you know, didn't use your service anymore or whatever. It's very easy. Human uh, reaction would be, you know, just cast them aside. We didn't do that. We stayed on a professional plane with those customers. And guess what? We called it the boomerang effect at ISI. Those yep. customers would come back to us. Oh, yeah. And I can tell, I told several stories about, Mark, we're not talking about buying a cable or a monitor. We're talking about millions of dollars in business because we didn't burn the bridge. Yeah. It's it's so important. Um, some people they 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 take a loss so personally that they they create an enemy out of the potential the potential friend, right? Like I, I've seen this in business a lot. Uh, I'll wrap with one story on my end where I've where I've seen this too. Since we're talking about this, and I think it is an important thing. You know, I was I was bidding a job once as an integrator. When we're talking like this right here, we're we're bidding jobs. We're out there bidding jobs. We're looking for customers. And uh, I was doing one of these things where I knew, you know, these 20 GCs had went to the site walk and we, the bid, the bid hadn't been negotiated yet. The customer didn't know which general contractor was going to be building out this project. And so I wanted to cast a wide net. I want to make sure if this, if, if 20 general contractors went to the site walk, I want to make sure that everyone who's bidding on this project has my AV number in their package. So no matter which one wins, I have a shot, right? So this was, this was my business intelligence as a business development manager. And so I'm calling everybody on the site walk list and I'm going through and, and half of them said they're going to bid the project, let's say 10 of them. And this is back in, uh, this is back in 2000. It was a big packet. They, we were faxing things to people still, right? So I'm faxing out, <laughs> I'm faxing out this 20 page <laughs> AV thing. Can I have permission to fax you this, this package? Um, sure. There were a few people that had email that I could email it to, but most of it was faxing. So I was faxing it around. Well, I got a call on my phone. I didn't pick up at the time. I must have been doing something else. And I picked up my voicemail and it was this man. And he was like, I don't know what you're doing. You're an idiot. I told you I wasn't bidding this stupid job. I come in the back of my office. There's 40 pages of your crap all over my floor. My fax machine's out of toner. You wasted all my paper. Not even bidding this job. I don't know what you're doing. Hangs up the phone. So I call him back, right? Like most people let that go. 
okay, I screwed up. The guy's (laughs) mad at me. Oh man, I'm never going to get any work from that guy. Uh Um, I called him back and, and he picked up and, uh, pretty, pretty much probably like you would, you know, I'm, I'm pretty self-deprecating, you know, like I, I don't have an ego. I don't care that he yelled at me. I, I know I screwed it up. So I just, I just said, Hey Jim, it's Mark over at, you know, X, Y, Z. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I said, um, I got your voicemail, but you know, most pi- people find it's much more fun to yell at me in person. So I thought I'd give you a shot at it. And, and well he started, done. he started laughing. Right. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm really sorry. I said, I was, I was going through the sidewalk list. I probably just made the lo- the wrong note on my, on my sheet here. Um, I didn't mean to do that to you. And I'm like, I know this person down at, uh, down at this copy place. I'll get you some new toner. What fax machine do you have? And he's like, Oh, my toner's fine. I'm like, you know, he's like, I was just messing with you. You know, he's like, what do you do again? And all of a sudden we started having a conversation. And, uh, then the next time I was driving by his office, I was doing out some road work. I stopped at Staples and I grabbed a ream of paper and I taped my business card to it and I just dropped it at the front desk. I'm like, I don't need to see him. I know he's not expecting me. Um, and it just put a little note on it like, hey, sorry, I wasted your paper. Right. And it was a ream of paper. <laughs> and he gave me this call and he's like, what are you doing? I don't need your paper. You know, like, and he's like, we got to have lunch. And that turned into a business relationship for me. But I That's think, right. you know, we have these times when, like you said, just don't burn bridges. Like every, every conflict is an opportunity for, for increased understanding, right? That's the way I see it. Like we're, we're at odds. We really shouldn't be at odds. So that we're, one of us is missing something here. Like, how do we correct that? But being that right. way, Jay, I, I, I can hear it in the way you talk. And that's why I wanted to get these other books because, and even with you saying you write them in first person, I, I always tell people when they're, you know, people ask me, I've written a lot of blogs and I do some podcasts and stuff like this too. People always ask me like, how do you do all that? And I'm like, you know what? I just, I just say it like I would say it if we were sitting having dinner somewhere. Like if you can have a conversation with somebody over dinner and it goes well and you're conversational, just write it like that because that's what's, that's what people are drawn to. And so I love that you wrote these in, in not a way that is uh, structured towards the MBA, but structured towards the person in the trenches fighting these battles every day. And so everybody out there keep swinging. Um, if you're going through adversity, you're looking for a comeback, keep swinging, Jay Myers. Um, the second one, hitting the curveballs, um, especially right now. You said this one was after the Great Recession. I mean, a lot of people might have taken a hit last year. Most companies took a 25 to 30% hit. So what does that look like coming out? And then, of course, uh, rounding third and headed towards home um, with a lot more lessons than just selling your business. But it sounds like a lot of, a lot of lessons in building sound business practices that will benefit you whether you're selling it or not right i mean that's what it sounds like to me so yeah absolutely awesome man well hey i don't want to take your whole morning but i really appreciate us doing this i'm i'm excited energized just talking to you so i can't imagine what i'm going to do when i actually read this book which (laughs) i'm going to do next so (laughs) sounds good mark i appreciate it and uh you know best of luck to all the av integrators out there i know it's tough um just, you know, keep uh, pushing forward and everything. And uh, if I can help any of them, I'd be glad to do that and uh, would appreciate to get a chance to pick up the book. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah, pick up pick up Jay's book. And if you have an opportunity for him to speak once we get back in person, it sounds like uh, he makes the rounds on that too. So uh, if you don't want to read it, yeah. he, can, he can tell it to you. <laughs> Mark, I would do one little quick commercial. Rounding third and heading for home is available on Kindle. March okay. the 2nd. 
So, okay. so we're really close to that date. It won't be in the bookstores till that work, but that's the publishing world. Uh, I will tell you that it is available, Rounding Third and Heading for Home, in, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and also uh, something that I recently picked up on Walmart.com. So oh, cool. you can order it there. So Sweet. Well, hey, a lot of well, outlets. You can just Google Google the name of the book, and you can do, find it. Yeah, we're going to put it in the description. So we're going to put all three of these with some links in the description, and people can find them, find you. And Jay, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciated meeting you, and getting to talk to you, and know a little bit more about you. We just, you know, for me, this is just us getting to know each other over Zoom, um, and I pushed record. So hopefully that comes through. And and I really. Uh, <laughs> I wish you continued success and luck in your journey. It sounds like it sounds like you have a whole other chapter here of of uh, helping other people with all the lessons that you've learned. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mark. Good meeting you. Thanks for the opportunity. Take care. Yeah.